Welcome to episode 82 of the Process Podcast. Be bold. Today I have Miss Tiffany Green joining me on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Tiffany. Miss Thank Green. you so much. Appreciate you having me. Could you tell the listeners where you're from? Oh, I represent Tampa Bay, the 813, baby. The 813. <laughs> what was it like growing up there? Um, you know what? I enjoyed myself. You know, my dad is originally from Tallahassee. My mom is from Orlando. So I'm like really third generation Floridian. You don't find that very often here in the state, ironically. But um, there were great times here um, because my parents really established roots here. They they taught me how to be involved with community. And so I saw how their reach and their service to others could make an impact and a difference. So by the time that I moved back to Tampa, it was that good feeling of, yeah, like we planted roots here, thanks to my parents. And now I can continue to, you know, water that seed. So I know that was kind of like a <laughs> overarching <laughs> from then to now, but uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed my time growing up here in Tampa. Thinking about growing up in Tampa, uh, did you play any sports? Were you always around sports? How did you get oh, interested yeah. in sports? Oh yeah, like, okay, so my days started on those fields at the Boys and Girls Club. Oh yeah. I was a club kid growing up, West Tampa Boys and Girls Club to be exact, and broke my nose playing throw up tackle. Because <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember that game, but you know, you just throw the ball up, whoever catches it runs and goes until they can get tackled. Um, oh, yeah. And I broke my nose doing so because, you know, they're like, oh man, man, check out this girl, man. She can play, she can play football. <laughs> Just always have had a love for sports. I played for the Spartans, West Tampa Spartans, um, baseball, and then I did softball, basketball, you name it. I was a bowler, golf in high school along with the basketball team. So yeah, I was always heavily entrenched in sports. That was like a, a love language of mine. <laughs> so what did you, so, so growing up, what did you see yourself doing when you, when, what was your, I want to be when I grew up? I always envisioned I would be a sportscaster. I wrote that down in like my early years 
like yearbook. And in kindergarten, I literally had that book at my parents' house. What do you want to be when you grow up? Sportscaster. And just never deviated from that. And I don't know if that was just something that God had purpose for me all along, but I knew in my mind really early on that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And thinking about after high school and moving away from home, why FAMU? <laughs> well, my parents told me that uh, their money was going to FAMU. Oh, okay. So if I had any other uh, thoughts, then I would need to come up with my own scholarship. No, but I mean, I, I grew up around FAMU. Like I said, my, my dad was from Tallahassee. He was born in Foothillier, which used to be the old administration building. My grandmother uh, grew up in walking distance from the campus. So I was a fourth generation rattler. That's all I ever knew. And I thought I was going to be, since I'm the youngest of two, the rebellious one, the different one. Oh yeah, man, I'm going here, I'm gonna do this. And when my parents laid out for me just how sweet of a life it could be at FAMU, in addition to, I loved it. I was just trying to be a contrarian. Mm-hmm. But I had scholarships here in the state of Florida. I had scholarships at FAMU. It just made the most sense. I knew they had a great journalism program. I knew that, um, I knew so much about the school, the history, the tradition, the legacy, and I was big on continuing a legacy. And it was the best decision I could have ever made in my life. I watched my sister go up there and have a great time. I saw the love that my parents had for FAMU all throughout those years, my grandparents as well. So honestly, it was an easy decision. I was just trying to make it a little bit more difficult. <laughs> just, I, it's nothing like the hill, you know, once you get on campus and you make it your own. So how was that experience, you know, moving away from home and now, you know, you're a college student at Florida a University. It was an easy sell for me because I was ready to get away from home. And it felt like Tallahassee was a second home for me because I had, again, experienced it through the lens of my sister, who was six years older than me. Um, I had gone through enrichment programs in my freshman and junior year of high school. So by the time that I made it up to Tops, um, it was just like old hat, you know? And... I met so many wonderful people, including my husband, during that, you know, pre-week, if you will, of school. Man, we had so much fun. And that was the tone setter for what my next four years um, was going to be like. And you can't erase, you can't replace the relationships that were built, the love that I have for my university, the the care in which um, the professors just showed about the development of you, the individual, the complete individual, not just the number, not just the end of, you know, the last four digits of your social security number, but you. And that excellence with caring, our motto, you hear it all the time, but I watched student it. And FAMU, was one of the best things to ever happen to me. And it's so funny because if you look at Rattlers, we're always trying to go back and relive those days, right? <laughs> those good old college days. Like, we're not far removed. In 2019, we celebrated our 20th anniversary of the incoming class of 1999. And, and wouldn't you believe all these well-to-do 
successful individuals who, you know, are C-suite folks and just doing their thing. Partying just like they were freshmen back in 1999, like trying to relive those quote unquote glory days. Um, because there's just something about FAMU that brings it out. And this is a very poor reference that I probably shouldn't use. But for those folks who don't quite understand what it's like to be a Rattler, um, someone kind of framed it like this you got the Bloods, Crips, the Vice Lords, and Rattlers. You don't mess with your rallies. <laughs> we're we're a different breed. We're a different level, and I love it. And we're family. That always, always, always. I want to I want to ask you know, looking back over your experience at family, what what did you learn about yourself? Mm, how to go get it, right? Like there are so many talented people that I entered into family with that were already students there as well. So I had to find a way to try to separate myself from other individuals while being inspired by them. It was nice to be around so many intelligent individuals who pushed you, who challenged you, who helped to make you better. And in order to stand out, you needed to find your unique place, your your space. Um, so. I'm already an aggressive or assertive person by nature. And if I set my mind to something, I'm going to do it. And I think that was sharpened at FAMU. Um, there is nothing like community. And I talked about that, you know, with my parents and, and them building community where we are in Tampa. And I feel like when you're at FAMU, you are required in a sense, if, if you feel any tug in your heart to strengthen your community, to, to better it and to leave wherever you are better than the way you found it. And FAMU helped to provide so many different avenues to explore that, whether it be through, you know, community service organizations, Greek letter organizations, you just, you want it to to be better and then right that greater sense of self okay so I, I thought I kind of knew who I was but you know you go through those moments you're you're you know 17 18 years old coming in uh you're still trying to find your way and find yourself and so it helped to give me a greater voice and really discover who I was as an individual and it in a sense I validated myself being there Right, like it's okay to be unique and different. I was a gal who came up loving sports and cars and video games and travel, and I was cool with that. And at FAMU, I could be that complete self because there was always, you know, a crowd or a group that you could be in that kind of um, that helped to, you know, spurn that along. But also, we're tough on ourselves, right? So if you could if you could win over <laughs> your own, your classmates, um, then you could make it anywhere. Because you know, if you stand up in Lee Hall before everybody and you're making a presentation to the university, you better come from that, right? Uh, you better know your stuff because they will be quick to let you know when you're not doing something right. Uh, but they'll also be equally as quick to cheer you on. So I got, I got a greater sense of who I was 
when I when I got to FAMU. So thinking, thinking about, you know, graduating, you know, what was next for you? What was your next move after FAMU? Well, the hope was to get an on-air job. I had done internships while I was in school and I felt like I had prepared myself and really delved into my craft because I knew that's what I wanted to do. So while I was all about having a great time and leaving a mark and, you know, accomplishing the goals that I set out when I got on campus, I wanted to graduate magna cum laude. I wanted to uh, be an NCAA athlete. I wanted to become an AKA. And I got to do all those things, uh, thankfully. So by the time that I left, I felt like, okay, I'm ready. Let's take on this challenge and let's meet it head on. When I left, I knew I was trying to get a job in television. I tried to apply to a number of different places. It didn't work for me. So what did I do? I kind of followed something that I always wanted to do, which was go sell cars. <laughs> and I sold Dodge trucks, Hemi's, 345 horsepower, 375 torque in an area of town where you didn't necessarily see a black woman selling cars. Yeah. Uh, but that was a fun challenge to me. And during that same time, I also got a part-time production assistant job at a startup station here in Tampa. So I was floor director, audio operator, editor, you name it. I did that for about six months and then finally got that on-air job by way of you know relationships and hard work to be able to move to Savannah. But I always saw that happening. And I charted that course a long time ago, and I was just trying to, you know, follow uh, in line with what I set out to do. Mm -hmm. Just thinking, kind of taking a step back and just thinking, what what was your thought process like when you graduated from FAMU with, with the aspirations of, of doing what you went to school for, but having to sell cars? What did that do for you? <laughs> uh, th th there's a grinder mentality. Right there, there has to be uh, a way for you to work your plan, and not every time is your plan going to go exactly the way you know you write it out. So what you have to do is be able to pivot, be able to be flexible, but still you can always learn something wherever it is you are. So I should be able to go up to you, cold turkey, meet you, get to know you, understand who you are. And the way that you can sell cars, just like you can do a whole lot of stuff, like be a good interviewer, is listening. So I got to listen to the customer and hear what they were talking about and what was important to them and what was their driving force behind buying a car. Was it out the door price? Was it, you know, safety? Was it monthly payment? And once you found that, then you could cater to that. You could ask questions or sell things about the vehicle based on those things. No different than when I go out and interview a player or a coach, right? I have to sit there and listen to see what, what are their motivating factors, what's their drive, what makes them who they are and how they become successful. So I think you can always learn wherever you are with whatever you're doing. And it's okay to get off track as long as you have a plan to get back. Your first on-air position, was that with uh, ESPN? No. My first on-air position was WJCL WTGS. That was an ABC Fox duopoly in Savannah, Georgia. I was a one-man band, what they call a multimedia journalist now. Um, so I came up, my my journey was through 
the ranks, right? Paying your dues and going through local television to get to, you know, where I am now. Mm-hmm. It was a process. It was a process. So, oh, yeah. So, so thinking about, I just, what was it like, you know, being the first African-American woman to play by play for football? It's uh, always a humbling experience. You know, I get asked that question a lot because you understand that there's a huge significance that goes with it. A lot of people are watching on you. They're counting on you to do well because your hope is that you can create opportunities for other um, black women, other black men, other people of color moving forward. There aren't a lot of people of color that sit in the chair currently. And so you're hoping that you can be a part of that shift and that change. Um, So I see it with great responsibility, but I also accept it and am humbled uh, by it as well. I think it's unique that it was always your dream to do that. And in your process, you were kind of chasing your dream, but kind of history, you know, kind of chose you. And so I want to know, did you have any mentors during that process? Oh, tons of mentors. You, I don't think you get to where you're going if you don't have people who are there to help you, to guide you, to uh, just point you in the right direction, bounce ideas off of. So among my first set of mentors, like, you know, your parents are, are, are amazing people. If you're blessed to have them or those, you know, parent-like figures in your life and so I was thankful to have that my dad came up in the business so he would always remind me that you're only as good as your last story and remember no matter what you do no matter how great it is know that it's never enough because now you're going to be asked to repeat that on a continuous basis but also I think outside of it there have been um, several men who have cheered me on and um, just really helped me along the way. Stan Verrett, Jay Harris, David Aldridge. Um, Those guys have been instrumental. They have been so helpful. And there are many others that, you know, I'm not naming now, but they've kept in touch. They they just check in on me. Uh, Again, when, when situations arise, I reach out to them. Uh, And then there have equally been great women who I think too have um, provided opportunities. I think of people like Maureen Hassett Lindsay and Tina Thornton. Those are women who are kind of behind the scenes, but they saw something in me and gave me a chance to call college basketball or, you know, college sports. Um, And then you have peers who have been kind enough to you know again um just just be there as a, a form of support lachina robinson jamel hill uh, maria taylor i mean there is a, a nice sisterhood that we have developed beth moens doris burke you know all of them at one point or another i've been able to call on lean on ask a question or two get advice from um, so there are mentors and there are friends in the business who have been, you know, just really kind to me throughout this, throughout this journey. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think mentoring matters, but I also think that having role models and representation also matters. Woo! You said a word and you know, I'm going I'm to I'm jump the gun here because my role model, Robin Roberts. 
She's long been that for me. She started at ESPN. Well, she didn't start at ESPN. She started at Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So her journey was similar, right? Came up through the ranks, did Nashville, did Atlanta, then moved over to ESPN. And now she's, you know, you watch her every morning on Good Morning America and a number of different other ways on ABC. She is a person that I was able to meet and reach out to and keep in touch with. And she has been a marvelous uh, role model, example for all of us to aspire to be like, because she's done it with grace. She's done it authentically and genuinely. And um, you just don't get too much better than that in my eyes. Mm -hmm. So thinking about once, I guess once you started to work for ESPN and you kind of had to pay your dues, you know, what did you learn about yourself during that phase from graduated from FAMU to working at ESPN? (laughs) (laughs) Be relentless in building your relationships, right? So that journey to ESPN started when I was about a junior or senior at FAMU, went to a college fair at Howard, met a guy by the name of Fred Brown, who is no longer with us. He was on the production side of things at ESPN, but he was my first point of contact with the mothership. And he just, again, was one of those people who aided me along in the process. I got a chance to reach out to him, let him know what I was doing. He would you know, suggest here or there what I should do, take a look at, and just saying, okay, keep going, you can do this putting me in contact with people that I, you know, should get to know. NABJ, of course, was very helpful through that. But that was a a journey or process of at least 10 or more years from FAMU to ESPN. And so, yes, you have to be relentless in building your relationships because you can get a lot of cards, but what are you going to do with those cards? How are you going to keep in touch with those people? And what are you going to do to make yourself stand out? Like we talked about, I was able to do that at FAMU, you know, Orange and Green, um, being a part of SGA, stuff like that. Then also, it was a matter of, like, work your butt off, right? And you're not going to have everything go your way, but it's how you bounce back from those losses, how you bounce back from those disappointments, being overlooked, uh, whatever the case may be, that shows who you are as a person, right? Builds strength, builds character, and just gives you a greater glimpse into how much you want it. Because yeah, there are things I was overlooked for. Yeah, I thought I was ready for stuff that others didn't see it because it's a subjective business or there were other people who were also waiting in line. Whatever the case may be, I was just like, okay, I'm gonna just keep doing me and I'm gonna keep showing you and everybody else around here why I am, uh, why I've earned that opportunity. Um, Be patient and determined, right? So it's not your time, it's God's time. At least that's what I subscribe to. And he's already ordered my steps, but what I have to do is my part. So I have to remain determined and hungry to get to where I want to go. But I also have to be patient to know that things were delayed for me because it wasn't necessarily my time. And I got a chance to appreciate more, I guess, when the opportunity did come about um, just how hard I worked to get there. 
Um, so there, there are a number of different lessons, but those three kind of, you know, stand out to me of being relentless and building your relationships, um, you know, working, working hard. You hear that all the time, but like literally there's something to that. So you got to know the right people, but you also got to do the work to, you know, help those people make those decisions and then be patient yet determined. So, so that's a good segue into my next question, thinking about, you know, your life, you know, reflecting on your life um, thus far. Um, this podcast is called The Process Podcast. What does trust the process mean to you? Mm, um, till the soil and your river harvest. Uh, I, I kind of go back to certain things that I tell myself because that's what I had to remind myself, right? Just because you sow a seed doesn't mean that it's going to sprout immediately. It's got to take time and you've got to nurture it. You've got to do your part to help it to grow. God's going to do his part, but you got to do what you need to do. Um, and so every day that I was trying to get one step closer to ESPN, I was uh, reminded or, or my cousin shared this, this Bible verse with me, it's Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as for working for the Lord and not for men. So I knew that God is my agent. God is the deciding factor. He is the one who is going to provide and make way. And he's going to work on the hearts and change the, 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 the minds of those decision makers to, to create those opportunities for me to succeed. In the meantime, um, I was doing whatever I felt was necessary in in, in the right way um, to get there. So I, I trusted the process because again, that patience and determination, I think went hand in hand in helping to you know cultivate my career and just knowing that there is the 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 um, the goal that you set for yourself or the goals that you set for yourself or the destination that you, um, you know, have plotted out, you're going to get there and you're going to take detours and there are going to be roadblocks and you're going to run out of fuel, you know, <laughs> but in those moments, you have to find ways to power up, to charge up, to, to draw on um, whatever it is, the environment around you to, to help you know, give you life, right? To help you moving forward. That's where those mentors come in. That's where those, that family support, that friend support is integral. That's where calling upon, um, for me, Jesus Christ, but whoever your higher power is, it's all of those things that um, guide you through, hold your hand through and help you, you know, push forward and move across that finish line to get to where you got to go or want to go. Amen. I agree. Uh, also reflecting on your life and your experiences, uh, what advice would you give your younger self? Be bold. And I think that's something that we are seeing in this generation, which I admire, is that they're betting on themselves, like really early on mm -hmm. and not being afraid to step out there and take chances because nobody's gonna beat you at being you. There's only one Amante, right? There's only one Tiffany. And well, Tiffany 
there, you know, whatever. But you know, you understand what I'm saying. There, there's only one of you. So, so bet on you. And the sooner you do that, I think the better off you will be. Because you know, I was trying to assimilate. I was trying to fit in. I was going to try to sound like you know a lot of other people that I heard until. I said, you know what? Those same principles that I had at FAMU and, and finding that voice and being unique and different, it's okay to do that in the space of sports broadcast. It's okay for you to sound different as a play-by-play commentator. It's okay for you to infuse who you are into your calls because that's what makes you you. I am a mother of two. I am a black woman. I graduated from an HBCU. I love hip hop culture. All those things, movie references, again, those things that make you different, that make you you, that's okay to bring into whatever it is that you're doing with respect to others, of course, but that's okay to do. So bet on you. Bet on you, that's awesome. I wanna, I wanna thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. And take your time out just to share your story and, and what you've learned through your life lessons and experiences. Um, do you have any lasting words that you want to leave with the listeners? Find your passion. Find your passion and go at it with reckless abandon. And when you've exhausted that, then you know that um, you've either made it to your destination or there's something different that God has in store for you. Uh, but in in your words, Trust that process. Trust that process to explore. Trust that process to fall on your face and trust in you and and God, or again, who your higher power is to to get back up. And I'm provided, I'm willing to go anywhere provided it be forward. That's a quote by David Livingstone that I love. And as long as you're moving forward, um, that's always a good sign. This episode was brought to you by Overcome Achieve Clothing. Allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge. Wear your truth. Overcome. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through. And not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.